People's Equipping Podcast. This is Kendall, and I'm so excited to introduce to you my friend Frankie O'Rourke coming all the way from Oaxaca City, Mexico. What's up, Frankie? Hi, it's good to be here. I I think you might need to give us a Spanish greeting since your Spanish is so excellent. What would you like to say in Spanish today to start our podcast? Oh, man. What can I say? Good morning. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) <laughs> that was in English. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I gave you the preview. Buenos dias, estoy. Estoy feliz estar aquí. Beautiful. I had the opportunity to be with Frankie and his family this summer and just see what God was doing in Oaxaca City. And some of the highlights for me were being in their home, seeing how their family has just made life happen and flourished and they've had to move and find the right schools and then through a whole journey there and We've talked about that some in the Third Culture Kid episodes earlier this year, and then seeing a huge event they had created in the kind of the center square in Oaxaca and, you know, people coming to Christ and rallying and building unity in the body of Christ, and then seeing the church building that God has given them, and they were slowly renovating to prepare for new services. And so the title of this podcast is Pastoring a Growing Church Plant in Another Country. And so what a tremendous privilege, first of all, that you have, Frankie, you know, God never promises to see the results of our ministry in our life and you're getting to see God do some amazing things. So, so what's God doing? Yeah. You know, for us, this has been a process that, that happened much faster than we expected. I actually received a dream before we came and the Lord had spoken that word that that this whole thing is going to happen faster than we expect. And it is really, he's really been true to that at this point. Uh, we, we opened the church about 18 months ago in our house on Easter Sunday, actually. And, uh, you know, started going, going from there. I was looking at some pictures recently and, and uh, that Sunday, and I think there were 10 people there. And the caption says, our first service with some others from other churches visiting to show support. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a, a good start. Things quickly developed from there. And I, I think two or three months later, we were looking for a building uh, in the center. Lord miraculously provided that, that building moved in there. And then we've just seen a steady growth trend since that point. And not just in numbers, but really in depth as people have come in and have entered into this, to the, to the discipleship process. So yeah, we're here and, and we're about, well, this Sunday we're, we're opening up our second service. So this is our first Sunday with two services and SOT. We just got that going three weeks ago and a lot of hunger and excitement around that. So it's a really exciting time about you know, about what God's doing here at Oaxaca. Wow. So 18 months ago, Easter Sunday, that's your first public service. And was that in home uh-huh. or in a building somewhere? Or what, what did that look like? Yeah, we just did it in our house. And so we, we just invited friends over. And, and we had had, like, we had had the Discovery Bible study going before that on Thursday nights. So this kind of was the was the next step turning into a Sunday service. We still maintain the Thursday night. And then, yeah, we got going right there. So you're building some community and then you decide to launch on Easter Sunday. You got some friends from other churches. I love how you phrased that. And okay, so 18 months later, I just want to review. You've done some major events in the city. God's connected you with local ministry leaders and partners. 
you've got a f- facility that you're leasing, you're moving to two services and you've launched a school of transformation. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. It's uh, honestly, there's, there's Chelsea and I, we were uh, at the other night and we're just looking at each other, just saying, I can't believe it's happening. You know, it's kind of like, is this, is this real? Like, is this really happening right now? You know, cause it's, as you're in the preparation, it's a dream and you're, you're praying, you're thinking about the future, but it's all uncertain. And, and now we're experiencing it right in front of us. And so it's, it's, it's incredible to see what God, what God has done here. So I'm sure there's been challenges along the way. You had an initial vision, mm-hmm. there's growth. But one of the things that I learned being with your team this summer is the process of culture and language acquisition of moving to another place mm-hmm. is really, I don't know how else to say it, Frankie. It's really just hard work. And so mm-hmm. I know that you've put in a lot of hard work in that area and so is your team. So kudos to them. Can you let, let us into that window a little bit? Because I think that might be one of the reasons you've seen fruit is because you really invested under the surface there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were in Russia before. And you and your uh, wife we did not focus we're, we're yeah, with crew and, but we were on a stint. So we did not, we did not focus on language as really not much at all. And so this time around, and it's a huge regret of mine, the huge regret of mine, not, not learning Russian while I was there this time around, you know, recognizing how big of a need that is, we decided to push really hard in the beginning on language. And so we immediately went into language school and we just did a full-time uh, language school for well, was half time, but it was our full, our full focus, uh, for the first six months that we were in Oaxaca, just recognize we have to get this base under us. Uh, and then all the team has done the same. Uh, we quickly transitioned, uh, really early on to Spanish in most of our meetings, even with only Americans. So we could force the learning of the language and, and get that under our belt because we okay. recognized time, time out. So. Yep. This is you and a couple guys from San Diego, they're not all Caucasian, but English was their primary language. And yes. you said, okay, team meetings, we're going full out Spanish. Yes. And wow. not everything was like that, but, but yes, a lot was like that. Okay. And you know, when I was meeting with, with some of the guys, you know, we, we speak Spanish and uh, even if there's Spanish, English speaking Mexicans with us and those poor guys hadn't suffered. You know, we just said, no, we have to do this in Spanish. We have to do it in Spanish. Take it off the ground. That's a commitment. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a commitment. It's, it's a, it's a rocky, you know, start, but, but you gotta get over the hump. Patrick Toth, yeah, the poor guy, he, he came up with this in Mexico city. Actually, we were with him related by his car. And it was me, Alfredo, I was a Oaxacan and him. And we just said the whole trip, there was no English on this trip. And he had been here for, I don't know, two months. And so his brain's on fire, but he says for him, that was a major turning point because it pushed him over this hump. And after he got back, things changed for his Spanish speaking abilities. And he's fluent now. He's, he's incredible, actually. I've heard him speak in, in Spanish, like preach. He, he is amazing. Yeah. So, so there's the language acquisition, which is such mm-hmm. a commitment and just honestly requires a lot of intellectual work. And mm-hmm. I liked how you said his brain was on fire. That is how that feels when you're constantly in another language. But then there's been a cultural process. And I know uh-huh. when we move somewhere, there's kind of a honeymoon period. And then 
there's kind of a dip and we have to work through yeah. that. What, what's that been like for you and the team? You know, that, that has been tough, to be honest. And, you know, we learned in the, in the church planning intensive, I think it was Silas. I can't remember his last name, but and I think his first name, honestly. But this guy taught about the, these two dips you have in six months and 18 months. And 18 months being the larger dip emotionally. And for us, it was pretty, it was pretty accurate. It was almost like clockwork, the six month and 18 month mark. And it, it's, for us, it was just like this feeling of, Wanted to go home, almost like a depression type feeling. And it was really helpful knowing that this is what was happening. So it was helpful to know, like, okay, I'm in this. This is like a phenomenon that happens. I got to push through this. You know, so for us in that process, we, one, we recognized that it was happening. And two, we really doubled down on healthy rhythms, like going to the gym, connecting with people, right? Eating healthy, trying to get sleep. And we really doubled down on that, knowing that. If we abandon those healthy practices, you know, we have no, no hope of getting through it. Right. So in some sense, it, it's a process of muscling through it while you're holding on to the life raft of your healthy, um, patterns and, and things you're doing in your life. And, you know, after it's kind of, it's a weird phenomenon after you get through it, it just kind of starts to go away and uh, you, you kind of just work through it. It's not completely, not completely the case. You know, we, we do have days where we're feeling homesick or moments and, and that's still, a, that's still a real thing, but, but more and more, I think we're finding our home here in, in relationships and, and in really building a healthy life in this place. Well, like any psychological process, whether it's grief or transition or whatever, knowing you're going through it makes the world of difference. And it sounds yeah. like that awareness of even six and 18 months, there's going to be these moments of, uh, disorientation that really, and then of course, I love how you doubled down on your personal, uh, disciplines. That's so essential during, during times like that. Okay. So en enough with the challenges, let's talk about some of the opportunities. So I think there's been three or four major decisions that you've had to make recently. The first major decision was pulling on Mexican leaders into your staff and team. Mm -hmm. And that's been big for you guys. And a lot of foreign workers never get to that point, maybe due to culture or other issues. How did you make that decision? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that was our vision from, from the beginning. I think maybe it's everyone's vision. You want, you want to see that, you know, so we started working through in the beginning when we, when we started developing the, the, the core of the church, uh, we started inviting people that have a, a similar vision and heart. You know, Oaxaca is, is not an unreached place. You know, it's not like there are in the city 1% or less Christians here. In fact, most people are connected in, with faith in some way through Catholicism or through some denomination of Christianity. And so there's a lot of people that we found who are, are not thriving in their existing church, especially after the pandemic, and they're just maybe just floating and who are really wanting to serve the Lord and have some background. And so the Lord, it looks like just connected to some of these people that were ripe and ready and just wanting to, to advance the kingdom. And so then when we, we came and met these people and some, honestly, they're supernatural um, encounters. The Lord just 
created this connection immediately. We communicated what we're doing, the vision that we have. Some people just, just said, okay, I'm, I'm in. And so, you know, we invited them into the, into the church, into our discovery Bible study. And then about, I mean, probably honestly, weeks into starting our, our service, we realized that we needed some kind of core, recognized core. And so we, we created something called uh, the launch team in the equipo de lanzamiento. <laughs> and, and we, we talked to uh, about a dozen people and just said, Hey, when, will you commit to be with us for at least one year to get this church off the ground and just commit to be a part, to be a leader, uh, to inviting people and just doing what it takes to make this thing happen. And almost everyone said yes. And that was really our, our core, practically the whole church at that point. And that was our core. And then we, as this thing moved forward over the year, you know, people came and, and went depending on, on like circumstances. And at about a year in, extremely, but maybe a little less than that, um, the, the, the commitment for the, the launch team ended. And then we extracted out a, a more substantial leadership team that was, that was uh, really work on our staff team. Love it. So there, there was a moment of opportunity to say, Hey, we have a core now it's time to expand. We're calling this a launch uh -huh. team. Um, yep. and uh, you made that commitment clear and people jumped in and obviously with that commitment included local leaders. Okay. That was a great waypoint for you. And a lot, I've met a lot of those leaders, amazing people, by the way, that God has mm. connected this yeah. church in, in Oaxaca. So then eventually you decide, okay, we're, we're actually going to do public services. And we're not right. just kind of an Easter service in a house, but we're going to go find a facility and go down that road. Tell us about that decision. Yeah. So really this, this came about by necessity. We saw the growth trend and we realized that we're going to outgrow this house in a matter of weeks. Okay. And so, you know, we wanted to find someplace central to open the church building and the toast had been praying for this neighborhood called Halaklako. And so they had felt led there through a dream, actually. They've been doing prayer walks around there. We went down there on a Monday morning just to look around to see if anything was available. Didn't find anything that morning, but in the afternoon, we had an appointment with a, a uh, real estate agent to show us the place. The Lord opened up a door there. And, and in fact, the owner of the building was, was in the back in an office and comes out and just says, the word of God lives all for the glory of Christ. She's like, I want a church here. So who said, Hey, where can we sign? Good start. And <laughs> yeah. And so we started renovating that and then with the team come down from San Diego that, that helped a lot with that. And, uh, and so then, yeah, we just moved in there as soon as we could and just, and continued on. Wow. Also, and I'm sure your culture and language acquisition has really paid off doing those kinds of negotiations and getting mm -hmm. to know those kinds of people. Okay. So then obviously our goal isn't just to have services, but we're trying to disciple and deploy people. So eventually mm -hmm. you're like, okay, time for a school of transformation. So mm -hmm. tell us about that decision. How did that come about? Um, that's a big responsibility for you. As I learned, you're not only pastoring the church, but for this year, you're also pioneering the mm -hmm. school, uh, big time commitment. Explain that to us a little bit. Yeah. So after I would say it's maybe six to eight months, right. In, in the, in the new building though, we're talking mm -hmm. oh, six to eight months total, I think 
after, after the church was, was started. And we realized that there's a, there's a huge need for, for discipleship and for people also to understand the, the DNA and the culture of all peoples. And we just simply did not have, and still don't have the, the leaders in place to be able to disciple everybody on an individual basis. Okay. And so as we're looking at this, you know, we said, I, I think, we think SLT is the, is the answer. This allows us to disciple a large number of people, relatively speaking. And, and so, you know, we, we recognize it was going to be a lot, of, a lot of work, but didn't really see any other options in terms of meeting this need. So we pulled the trigger and, and got it going. Great. So it comes out of the need to disciple and invest in your leaders. So you've launched it recently. How's it going? It's been fantastic. So I, we just had our third week last night, you know, our third night. And yeah, a lot of hunger, powerful ministry times. It's, it's going better than we expected, I think, honestly. Amazing. And will you do an outreach and some of the other kind of fundamental SOT related uh, programming? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, this Saturday is our first super Saturday. Okay. We'll do some outreaches in, in the city and, and let's pray that people receive Christ and, and that, and that the students in that process, you know, kind of see the ability to do that, recognize that it's a possibility. You can share the gospel and someone can come to Christ and they can do it. Yeah. So it's one of the big takeaways that we're looking for. Awesome. And then the big exciting news for the church is you have, are at your second service. Well, that's a huge thing for any church plant, whether it's, you know, you could be in the Bible Belt in America. That still feels like a massive undertaking, a massive decision point, even more so when you are, um, you know, a, a church Truly a church plant, you know, in another city, you know, foreign led mm -hmm. ways. So what has that been like and what led you to take that step? Yeah. You know, I think maybe I'm seeing, a, I'm kind of seeing a pattern in our own decision making now as we're talking through this, but it's just necessity. You know, right. I think we moved from the, the church, from the house to the church building by necessity. Now we're going to two services by necessity and mm -hmm. we just are running out of space. And so as we look at this, we just looked at our growth trend and said, okay, I think in three weeks or a month, we will just simply not have enough space or chairs. So we, we need to, we need to do something about this. So that you know, the most natural step was to do to two services and you know, it's a lot of work, not a lot of preparation and working with teams, recruiting more volunteers to get, to get things in place. But. But overall, we're, we're, I think we're pretty excited about it. And uh, a lot of positive benefits. A lot of volunteers, for example, who are serving in, in one service to attend in the next one. So, but yeah, necessity. You know, I guess they say mother's necessity is the mother of invention. And maybe that's, that's true for church planning too. And, you know, if you'd imagine doing this in the United States, how has that been different? You know, have there been cultural or other related things you've had to work through? How did you communicate that to people? I'm just curious, like about that waypoint. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, honestly. I don't know if it would have been different in this case. Okay. You know, we just, we just announced a month ago, hey, we're switching to two services because of too many people. And so here's the times. Let us know which one you're coming to. And, and, and that was pretty much it. So there was not a lot of, of buildup or, or lead up to it. And so I'm not sure I've never done any in the States, I've gone to two services in a church. So maybe I'm missing something, but 
I think I would probably try it the same way in the States as well. Well, what I'm hearing, Frankie, in these four different decisions, the launch team, the launching a service, the school, and the second service. Yeah, it's necessity. And the word that I would use is momentum. And I think the big lesson here for church planters is when you have momentum, keep moving. And, uh, And the thing that we are always challenged with as leaders is to make sure that that's healthy momentum. So that's where we, we have to have our selfish ambition in check. We have to be pressing into team life and developing healthy relationships and working on our EQ and, you know, just all the different styles of relating that we all have. And then that's where we want to, you know, do things like spiritual life assessments and, you know, more, more depth opportunities to make sure people are growing spiritually, but do all that and keep using the momentum that God is bringing you. You know, it's kind of the image I have is, you know, there were just times when Paul would go somewhere and he would be there a couple of years. And I think that's because, okay, the momentum just continued to, to, to move along and increase. There was the definition of momentum I looked up is increase and in the rate of development of a process. And as long as it's increasing and the rate is going, we do need to keep building structures and systems around that momentum to sustain what God is doing. And then what a blessed season, you know, that you're in. And so yeah. I just want to affirm your leadership in this season. And I also just want to affirm it as a testimony for church planners. Like it is possible to plant a growing church in 2023. Then you do the personal work and the hard work of prayer and then culture and language acquisition. And I see how you've deeply mm-hmm. So I want to affirm that. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Yeah, for thank you, any, any final thoughts? A few things. I, I would re-emphasize again the, the need for the healthy rhythms and to really focus on that, it's including on those bad days. You know, I mean, you need to take days of rest, but you got to keep the healthy rhythms up. I think another, another thing to master or to get better at is emotional regulation. You know, there are just a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs. From like the six and 18 month thing that just happened to you. Um, and it just kind of comes out of the ether and you're like, what is this? You know, somebody just wake up in the morning and just like, what am I doing here? And, and so when you show up to church on the end of the week and half the people show up and you're thinking, oh no, like I say something last week, you know, so there's just a lot of emotional ups and downs and being able to regulate that and bring that before the Lord and maybe take a walk or go to the gym, whatever you do to, to be able to work through those in a healthy way. Oh, I think is is a very important skill to learn. Another thing I think is go after the low hanging fruit in terms of staying healthy. For example, keep your support up. Don't let your support drop down too low. That's something that kind of happens in the background, but you feel the effects in the foreground at a certain point. And so, you know, keep the support, keep it up. And it's hard, it's a lot of work, but really makes a difference in your in your longevity. So. And other than that, I think honestly, a lot of this is, as I think about our process, how the Lord brought the, the, the team together and all these different pieces, it was truly a miraculous thing. You know, the, the way he connected us with, with nationals here who have the same vision. It was a, from my perspective, the biggest miracle has been the, the building of this team and, and God was the one who did it. And so recognizing that 
although yes, we're going to implement these strategies and that we're going to, we're going to do our best to use wisdom. Then ultimately God is going to open the doors and produce the fruit. And so I think just maintaining that perspective brings a lot of peace and, and I think it's such a for success and also helps uh, to have a great wife. You know, Chelsea and I, I, we bring really different things to the table. I'm more thinking about strategy and, and these kinds of things. And, and, and Chelsea does too, but, but she is really good with people and, and connect with people, understanding the needs of people and, and the needs of, of groups and like what the church needs. And so I think yet starting SFT was really uh, catalyzed by her um, insight. Right. And so, and there's so many things like that and it's made a huge difference for us. So, you know, as much as you can work together with your, uh, your husband and wife, it's a, that is a fantastic asset. Well put great report. Thanks for sharing today. Yeah. Good enough. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.